You're tuned into The K Mag Podcast. Online source for horror, thriller, and sci fi entertainment news. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Ken Artuz, founder for DK Mag, and you're listening to DK Mag Podcast, Season 8, Episode 5. Joining me as co host this evening is. Stacy Cox, staff correspondent for DK Mag. Be sure to stop by our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash DK Mag. Your donations will help us for future episodes. As a Patreon, you'll receive bonus content as well as free and discounted on upcoming DK Max merchandise. Thank you, Stacy. And also joining us as guest co-host is Tracy, COO of Terra Records Inc., owner of SCRM Radio. Thank you, Tracy, for joining us for this podcast and just joining the conversation and everything horror. Thank you for having me. This is pretty cool. I'm so often on the other end of this doing interviews and things like that. So it's cool to be the one who's guesting and talking. <laughs> and a, a little bit about yourself before we begin the podcast. Uh, what is C- SCRM Radio? Well, SCRM Radio is a 24-7 streaming horror radio station. It is not a podcast. Um, it is live radio, although it is pre-programmed. So I upload playlists to the station so that there's always something playing 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, it is not largely a talk radio. It is a station where stories are narrated. So it is online theater, which is what I think um, is a really cool thing to have and, and we've been missing. So I wanted to do something that harkened back to those days of people sitting around the radio station listening to War of the Worlds on the radio and different serials. Um, and I think this was just a really cool platform to be able to do that on. There is minimal music on the station. I do have two podcasts that play on the station. Um, I do interviews with my contribution to the station, although I sing and I am a part of a record label. That, and I know that's odd, but I wanted there's an, there are lots of radio stations out there that do that and I wanted to do something that um, you know I wanted to do something for the horror audience so this is what Scream Radio is about awesome and I thought and with these advancements of podcasting over the years that streaming radio has uh, not existed anymore because I used to favor a streamcast and a shoutcast I believe it was called so it was, a, it was a wonderful surprise to come across your platform and say, oh, cool. Someone is actually providing horror content uh, 24-7 as a streaming audio service. That's great. Well, thank you. That, um, so what Scream Radio is, um, so there was a previous radio station that 
I had gotten involved with, they started this thing back in October of 2017. And um, by, no, I take that back, 2016, let me correct that. And so, but by June of 2017, they decided not to do it anymore. And so they asked me if I wanted to just take over the station itself, but then they decided, hey, you know what, just you take it and, and make it your own and do your own thing. So the inspiration for it did come from someone else, but their format was different from the format that I currently have because they had more music and more talk shows and things like that. But I, I felt like we're really, uh, I felt like what people really wanted to hear was stories. You know, we, you have enough podcasting, you have enough talk shows and talk radio and things like that. And I think that people just really want to be able to tune in and, and kind of tune out, just tune in and, and hear some things and be entertained. So uh, for me, it was about taking this idea and yeah, making it my own. And I didn't know really if there was an audience for it outside of the fall months, outside of September and October, when Halloween and horror really become more mainstream. So to see the response that I've gotten in the year that we've been doing this and see the consistent numbers is really cool and it just uh, reaffirms for me that there is a desire to have this type of entertainment out there so it's cool that I get a chance to deliver that oh. and speaking about that I know Stacy you've you're familiar with uh, creepy pastas right Stacy Slender uh, Man was your favorite Yes, uh, my I have more stories, but ones I am familiar with. I can I didn't even know Slender Man was creepy possible. I've I've heard so much about Slender Man, and like I said I played Slender, the Arrival video game, and everything, and hearing those new stories. I didn't even know that was based off of a creepy pasta. Right, <laughs> and with the. Uh presentation that Tracy just uh, emphasized on the content on her platform hey I would advise head on over there instead of reading it you could just listen to the audio <laughs> oh yeah uh, and you know I I, I love um, audio as well uh, like when you when I, I was listening to some stories also by uh, Corpse Huston, uh, he has a YouTube you know channel where he uh, releases like spooky stories and a spooky voice and everything. Um, oh yeah, it's, uh, it, it can actually create for a kind of a creepy experience. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so just to clarify, Tracy. You narrate these stories, uh, insert special effects, uh, background music, stuff like that? Well, I don't, but my, so I have hosts and I have contributors to the station. What I wanted to do is to not just have creepypastas on the station what I wanted to do is just make sure that there was an equal representation across the board of old and new 
So I have hosts and by hosts, I mean uh, presenters who have designated slots on the schedule every day, Monday through Friday, well, Sunday through Friday, I should say. And then I have contributors. And I, so for those people who just contribute a story or two, uh, I have several contributors corners playlists that I add their stories to so that I can give other people who are involved in the horror genre exposure. So it's definitely not just so it's definitely not just creepypastas. While I do have hosts and narrators, uh, contributors on the station who have narrated those stories and sent them in to me, I really uh, encourage my uh, contributors to send me as much original uh, material as possible. But there is also classic horror on the station. So uh, one of my hosts, Isaac, he does what he calls classic cuts. So he reads entries from Dracula, from Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, from War of the Worlds, from um, uh, Irving's story, uh, Sleepy Hollow, that, that genre. Um, there is also Edgar Allan Poe. Uh, so there's a lot that goes on the station. And again, I, I encourage people to, and I don't mind people submitting me things that have been written by other people so long as permission has been given to them to read it and then they're aware that it's going on to the station. But my goal is to not uh, make money off of these things because everything that I do for the station comes out of my pocket. There are no paid ads or anything like that running on the station. It is, it is I pay for the station. My goal is to put horror out there and to give horror creators a platform and to promote what they do and to promote their channels and to allow them to reach an audience that they may not reach outside of just their, uh, you know, outside of their YouTube channels. So it's just a really cool thing to, to be able to log in to the station. Well, not even log in, just pull up the station on the site and, and or pull it up through the apps that exist that it can be um, that you can tune into it through and just be able to just hear stories. Oh, that is great. And to close out uh, our introduction segment here, uh, I have to agree with you. And Stacy, I know you, you agree with, with the following comment that the, the things that we do as content creators, uh, especially in the horror genre, it's a patience game and it's also a game of uh, dedication for the love of it and if you jump into something if you want to be a content creator or whatever the case may be a blogger a vlogger and you think of money is the first thing as your objective you're gonna fail because you don't have the passion and love for it i agree um and i think that is one of the reasons why Scream Radio has lasted uh, the year that it has. And, and I have no plans on stopping it um, anytime soon because I, I think it's just a, a really cool thing just to be able to listen um, 
to your favorite horror stories and so um you know and more people are willing to contribute to it the more i feel like that there is definitely a genre uh you know a niche for this station and i think that is filling that need Segment 1 Movie News Terminator Next Chapter Release Promo Picture Well, we have covered this topic time and time again here on DK Mag, and the topic is reboots. I, most of our audience, let's say 90% of our audience are tired of this bullshit of reboots. It's becoming commonplace here in Hollywood, and that is going to fall on the kicking off topic for movie segment and that is the terminator series uh, we have seen some great entrance into this franchise we have seen entrance including the tv series that was outright just terrible with this upcoming entrant to the franchise we have the return of arnold schwarzenegger which is no surprise and linda hamilton which is great in its own way but the question remains do we really need another reboot another franchise entrant uh, something that is really dragging its feet and has overstayed its welcome i i, I particularly enjoy the terminator uh, film part one and a little bit part two but everything afterwards when you deal with time travel when you deal with sci-fi it either becomes too much eye candy or the plot gets contorted in ridiculous ways i'm not really feeling this one but the other half the the the, the fan of the first and second film kind of wants to see where this is going uh stacy what is your opinion there over this week there was a picture that dropped a promo picture it has a trio of strong women featured on this picture we have linda hamilton mackenzie davis and natalia reyes in this picture uh, i don't know you're not going to convince me otherwise uh what is your thoughts on this picture and also with this new entrant to the franchise uh well i definitely have to agree with you uh the reboots are getting tired out um actually been tired out uh and i also piggyback when you said that the best two films of the part one and part two and that was also because the cat, you know, you had Arnold Schwarzenegger, you had Linda, Ham Linda Hamilton, and um, the the young boy who played Nick Con was it Nick Connor was his name in the film. And part two was probably my favorite. And then after part one and two, you know, the original cast members are just gone and everything. And then, like you said, they just start twisting it up and it became dragged out now I am while I am excited for the return of Linda Hamilton because I you know 
to me, she was like one of those badass women, you know, in the franchise. I mean, in the genre, in the horror and everything. She was one of those badass women. So seeing her leave, I was like, oh, no, like, just left of Terminator. You know, unfortunately, it's gone. What's left of Terminator? It's nothing left. So to see her return is actually probably really exciting, but at the same time, it's like, after being let down from those films following the first two, it's just like, oh, okay, what do we really expect from this one? I like original ideas. I think that reboots don't do the originals justice. Um, And I think that that's a sad thing because to me, there's always an after story. Whenever a movie ends, I think about the real world consequences of what people have done in the movie. I think it would be uh, more creative to take that and, and extend that and say, hey, what happens after, you know, all of these people end up dead and what happens to the survival with that? I think that would be a more original concept to uh, do it and, and riff off the original idea. And I say riff, not rip, riff off the original idea and to continue it in a way that I think would take more thought than to go back and reboot something that's already been done. Um, I, I think that it, it, I, just, I just don't think that they're necessary. I don't mind them. I'm not gonna fault anyone who does them. Um, you know, if they work out, God bless them. You know, I, I root for their success, but I think there are so many ideas out there that um, could be on the screen and and creativity just needs to be tapped in a little bit more that is so true and this latest entrant to the terminator franchise this makes the sixth entrant the last one uh, i wasn't going in watching this film with grand expectations but after watching the film i felt okay it was a good action film the science fiction aspect and everything else just took a back seat as a matter of fact i think they put it in the trunk and not even in the back seat as an action film it was good but do we really need to see constant terminator films built on action because the terminator that i remember was more science fiction driven and it had a story and you wanted to know what happened with Sarah Connor. You wanted to know what happened with, uh, with the soldier that goes into the past to save her. And the Terminator itself, he was a great antagonist. But over the years, that antagonist has become diluted and we know what to expect. Okay, two robots are going to fight, blah, blah, blah. It, it just, that essence of the film franchise just got degraded uh agree to disagree um stacy yeah I, I definitely say once um honestly for a lot of uh franchises they just don't work after uh some some most franchises don't, don't even 
really deserve a sequel, like a second installment, another long going, you know, down into the fourth, fifth, sixth, and beyond. Because, uh, like you said, it gets dragged out and it, it just starts to lose its original um, concept after a while. And to close out the segment, Tracy, uh, any final thoughts on the Terminator franchise or, to, or just jumping off from what I've mentioned about being this whole storyline dragging for so long? Like I said, um, I'm a fan of, of real world thought and, and creativity. Once it got caught up once the Terminator movies got caught up in these 80s and 90s action films um, tropes <laughs> that's when it went from being this story about this very scary possibility of this artificial intelligence taking over and coming back to make sure that it could still take over and you know uh, once it once it moved away from that and went into action film territory I agree it it lost what made it work in the first place I would have more so have liked to seen what happened to them in their lives and how it affected them later and how they dealt with it and what they did to prevent this thing from happening other than just continually sending robots back in time that you know for them to fight and have more explosions and then we're still in the same spot so apparently nothing changed anyway you know <laughs> yeah, so right i don't know what this, this last one is supposed to do i don't know if, if, if linda's coming back to you know, South all the loose ends and finally, you know, set us on the path where we don't have to worry about Terminators coming back to kill people and, and you know, take over the world or, or if we're just setting ourselves up for another sequel to a sequel. <laughs> that, that's a great point right there. A24 set sites on new horror film. A24 is a company to look out for. Their breakout film just hit $80 million globally. That's a great success, especially for a horror film that, in my opinion, has mixed reviews because it doesn't follow the common tropes of what a horror film should be hereditary. Uh, most audiences uh, were looking for that jump scares or this and that while the other half of the audience has appreciated a good uh, character-driven narrative. I fall for the latter. I enjoy a story that has a good character-driven narrative. And A24, this company is really pumping up some good content and that was one of their success. I'm going to re uh, reiterate that. They have another film coming out. What's the title of the film? I have no idea. No one does. It's being kept on the wraps. But they have a lead actress already solidified for the cast. Her name is Florence Purr, and they have the director for Hereditary, Ari Aster. He'll be helming this project. So what is this untitled film about? Well, it's going to reflect a wicker man 
type storyline and the plot will follow a young woman who joins her boyfriend on a summer trip where things quickly go awry thanks to a local pagan cult that's all the information we have we have director we have a little glimpse of the plot we have the lead actress so instead of delving on a discussion on a topic that has little information what we're going to delve in is originality and hereditary is one film that has garnered much attention for its original content and we speak about on dk mag always about these reboots and remakes here we have a great film making money getting popular and this company a24 is becoming into the limelight for creating this content so starting with you stacy uh, what are your thoughts have you seen hereditary that's one thing uh no i have not seen hereditary um i do want to watch it um probably when it releases to um streaming or you know one of the sites or something um but i will say that i i did it i do enjoy like the poster for hereditary and the synopsis actually really intrigued me. I just never made it to the theater for it. And Tracy, uh, for this topic, when now it's a, it's a strange topic here, uh, originality. And we, here we have Hereditary and A24 releasing another film that feels original. Um, so I am in the same boat. I have not had a chance to uh, view Hereditary. However, I do know what happens in the film because um, I did a lot of research. So um, originality is a wonderful thing. And from what I know of the film, um, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a pretty heavy film <laughs> <laughs> from the beginning uh, death scene to, you know, the ending death scenes so it's a pretty heavy film and it is definitely not something that i i can say this film reminds me of this film type of deal which makes me happy because that shows that somebody took the time to say you know what let's let's actually think about this and put this out there and not go and um, not go in and, and, and attach our wagon to something that's already been made um, to see if we can have the same success because people are already familiar with this type of thing or this concept. And so I do appreciate that part of it because, again, it's I can't go and I can't say, well, this movie definitely reminds me of this film. So I appreciate the differences. Absolutely. And one thing with Hereditary, it, the concept that it brings, the genre that it falls into is that psychological thriller. And with the poster art alone, Stacy, since you brought it up, we always talk about the the, the messages, the, the, the hidden messages on horror. And Hereditary does tap into that realm of the psychological trauma, um, split personalities, uh, mental illnesses. And when you in entwine that 
into horror cinema you don't know if it's a supernatural thing you don't know if it's a mental thing that's what makes these type of horror movies so enjoyable and also when you speak on like you know the uh, mental health and horror that is one also one like area subject that is really like I should say kind of like complicated to do to where uh, the, the work, the film is successful. Because you have, I mean, you, like nowadays you have so many um, films that are delving into that, you know, like say, I take like Split as an example. Um, I've, I've heard so many contradicting reviews on Split and how that the director didn't really, um, he didn't really like, you know, show his mental, um, well, his mental state very well on the screen. And you got, so you got these movies uh, that, you know, is delving into these mental issues, but not really showing them well. And uh, with Hereditary, like I said, getting so many great reviews and everything. So um, I'm definitely excited about that. But yeah, these um, mental illnesses and cinema, it's, it's actually a really tough area. You, you have to pull it off well. That's why I'm interested to see this new film from A24. Uh, by reading the plot, it, it has the familiarity, but seeing how A24 is really emphasizing on good horror content, I'm just going to overlook this portion because it, it could change. This film is not even being made yet. This isn't pre-production. And what pre-production is, is just you gathering the actors, the scripts and the, the uh, production team. So once this film is in production, everything is going to change and hopefully it would remain original. Uh, to close out this segment, Tracy, uh, with these upcoming films now that is emphasizing uh, these psychological thrillers, mental illnesses and stuff like that, just like Hereditary did, uh, do you feel that's a good avenue to explore instead of the rehashed nonsense with slashers and supernatural phenomena? I think that there is a time for each one of those subgenres of the genre. What I don't want to see is everyone putting out the same type of film all at the same time. You know, like they're doing a, a mental illness horror film, let's all write one, and then you have six of them hitting the theaters around the same time, all vying for uh, that money that they want people to pay either on video on demand or in the theater. What I would like to see is just people picking a topic and doing a really good job on that particular topic. That said, psychological horror is probably my favorite of the subgenres of the genre of horror. So I appreciate films that make me think it is definitely hard to really express that type of illness on screen because 
people suffer from it in different ways. So anyone who would go into a film like Hereditary um, or Unsane and expect it to correctly convey the symptoms of mental illness and be disappointed when they feel that it does not. Um, again, people express those things in different ways. Mental illness is, affects people in different ways. And you can do all of the research on the planet and still miss what makes one person act a certain way when affected with a certain, certain uh, with an, a mental illness as opposed to the next person. So my thing with that is just pick what you do and, and do it well. Um, don't get outrageous with the symptoms, you know, keep it realistic, but just do a good job with it and, and it should work. Thank you for that closing comment. Death of Mecast Developments. And here we have news on another upcoming film that is in pre-production. Our previous topic was talking about a unknown film. It could be a psychological thriller for all we know until more information on that film is being offered. But this upcoming film has a title, has a cast, and it it's, it's very intriguing in my opinion. So we have actress Maggie Q and actor Luke Helmsworth. They are going to star as the protagonist in the film titled Death of Me. This is an upcoming horror thriller and Lynn Busman will be serving as director. So the film is going to start principal photography at a, an exotic location and a country I would love to visit one day. Uh, Thailand that's interesting because once I heard it was being filmed in Thailand the first thing that came to mind was will it, this film have the horror aesthetics f uh, from the country the, the folklore perhaps perhaps not here is what death of me will be about it's about a couple on an exotic holiday who discovered they have participated in a husband's ritual murder of his wife. Interesting. Hmm. Not what I was thinking, but interesting nonetheless. Uh, Stacy, uh, here we have another topic. Very little information. I guess we could just discuss the horror thriller component here. We have a murder mystery at an exotic location now in my opinion that does sound familiar just gonna say oh wow well but based on that synopsis alone i feel like i've already seen the movie um but of course it's one of those things where you know we have to wait for the actual movie to come out and see the movie because even though um you feel like you've already seen it based on the synopsis alone. You know, you watch it and it could take a different twist somewhere that makes that sets it apart. And honestly, I think um, that's the key here because we're getting to where everything's pretty much been done. Um, so when you read about an upcoming film, you feel like you've already seen it uh, because it's pretty much has the same plot as, you know, a handful of movies you've already seen. 
But now it comes down to, as we were talking about before, originality. It comes, it comes down to innovation. What will set this film apart than the other films that you've seen that pretty much sounds the same? First of all, there's another Hemsworth. So that that's pretty cool. <laughs> Second of all, um, the the premise of the film is kind of interesting. It um, it feels like they're tiptoeing over into um, like uh, well, it says it it was a ritual, so it seems like they're leaning back over into uh, maybe voodoo or or witchcraft, some type of uh, you know that that territory where. Um, because it says they wake up and she was dead, but then she's clearly not dead, although the ritual looks like she was dead. So I would be interested to see how that plays out. Hopefully it's one of those films where you can go into it and watch it and not identify it with another film. As, as long as there's some creativity going on with the movie, I am I am fully open to uh going to this film and enjoy it for what it is you know yeah i agree and for those in listening who are unaware of the director uh darren busman uh, he directed the second third and fourth saw franchises uh, that franchise we could just rant about you know saw and what it stands for <laughs> with horror cinema but we're not <clears throat> For the sake of death of me, <laughs> I enjoyed this quote <clears throat> from one of the producers, Lee Nelson. He states the following quote, this is the mind bending genre film we've been searching for. And Darren is going to take it to the next level. We could have been more excited to be working with our amazing cast and crew with Maggie Q and Luke Hemsworth. We've assembled a strong cast and can't wait to put our unique stamp on the horror genre, unquote. Well, whenever I hear uh, comments such as this, uh, Stacy, I'm gonna have to uh, piggyback on what you said. Uh, we could read this, we could analyze this, uh, trailer could drop and it could suck. But until you see the film and really absorb it and get that essence, if it's a good, original film or if it copies off something else in my opinion uh just hearing about it and just just getting that judgment based on what i'm reading here it just reminds me of that 2009 film a perfect getaway i don't know if anyone has seen it start timothy oliphant but i could be wrong we, we're just making i'm just making an ass assumption here too early well, yeah, because I was actually talking about uh, that film I had watched not too long ago called Ruin Me. And um, I was talking about how it wasn't necessarily a bad film. Um, it's just like it was predictable. I mean, you know, there could be a film where it's not really bad, but it's predictable. It's like, okay, I've seen this countless times. You watch the film the time it's pretty much just a different title and a different task so and you know how it plays out scene by scene from the beginning to the end you know how it plays out um so um given that this sounds so familiar you know i 
I actually can't wait for it though. I can't. I can't. I love those uh, murder mysteries and everything, so I am looking forward to that. <laughs> yes. And just as uh, we have all discovered, I didn't know either. And Tracy just pointed it out. There's another Helmsworth. I guess that's his brother. <laughs> Segment two exclusive interview. Actress, screenwriter Chloe Trikos. Police are looking for Tony Duvall and Jackie McGann in connection with the murder of Rick Duvall. Rick Duvall's body was completely covered. In uh, gruesome stab wounds. I never expected something like this from Tony. But Jackie... What the fuck do I have to do to get a drink in this place? We all knew Jackie was trouble. It's year's latest bitch, huh? I'm his wife. Stop! Stop! You want to take your first spin? I felt things I'd never felt before. And just to... Be certain. Your last name is Tracos? Yeah, that's correct. T-R-A-I-C-O-S. All right. Got it right the first time. I'm glad. <laughs> uh, absolutely. Yes, I know. I know. I know. It is a bit of a weird name. Yep. Oh, yeah. Good evening, everyone. My name is Ken Artus from DK Mag. Joining me this morning slash afternoon is Chloe Tracos, writer and star for the upcoming film Devil's Cove. Ms. Tracos, thank you once again for your time. No worries, thank you. And I'd like to start out the interview by giving you an opportunity to provide an origin story, a little bit about yourself, your background in acting, screenwriting, and leading up to your latest film, Devil's Cove. Oh, sure, thank you. Um, well, I grew up in Zimbabwe in Africa, and, um, you know, with, there was um, never an option for me. I always was going to be an actor or a writer. It was, um, I just, it, it was just, it was just kind of something I knew from the, the youngest age. And then we, um, I immigrated to Australia with my family when I left school, and um, I uh, started up my own theater company and um, began to put on plays. And then I, you know, I made my first movie over there, um, a comedy, I Wish I Were Stephanie V, which um, did, uh, which opened and opened the New York Film Festival in 2011. And, um, and then since then, yes, I've just been um, do, making um, my own films, um, writing and acting in them. Um, I guess I started doing that because um, there are so um few good roles for women out there especially like especially in a business in an industry like Australia where it is it's very very small and um and roles for women are very limited so that was I guess why I started writing my own roles um and then so I moved to LA in 2011 and um I came up with this idea which I wanted to get made and basically wrote the script um met with Eric, who's a director who directed me in a music video about six months before um, we went into production. And I came to him with this idea and I said, this is, uh, I have this idea for a feature movie. Um, and, you know, he really liked it. And I mean, I guess the, the rest is history. Wow, that is fascinating. I'm, I, I'm impressed, first of all. That's, that's pretty cool. <laughs> 
Thank you. You're welcome. And, and not the first time I hear that an actress uh, takes it upon herself to write the screenplay and the ones she also stars in, especially as you had mentioned, uh, the competitive field in L.A. Where, and uh, in the other circumstance I'm referring to, uh, she found the easy way to create her film and star in it as opposed to just waiting around for the director to call back from uh, from an audition. And from your perspective, it's more, it's just, you went into it head first. It's congratulations on that. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I mean, yeah, I guess it's very much a, um, I mean, I suppose it's, I'm, I'm a very impatient person. I, um, I, I don't, I, I, I guess um, my, managers and agents have always loved me in the past because I, I never really hound them with calls all the time because if there's nothing happening, I'll just make it happen. So it's just, I just, um, I just don't believe in waiting around or, you know, depending on others to, to make things happen for you. You know, you, you have to make it happen for yourself. Oh yes, absolutely. I'm a big advocate for that as well, because time is precious. You can't let it fly by. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And for Devil's Cove, uh, watching the film, uh, I, I'm sure many, many critics, once it gets released, they're going to compare it to an, the obvious uh, female duo that went on a crime spree. While that movie does have its staple in mainstream media, uh, Devil's Cove is just something totally different. And it, ha it encompasses uh, so many different themes. One of them is, well... Uh, domestic violence in a way uh, both these characters are experiencing hardships with their husbands a uh, little insight right. without giving too much on the plot on the protagonist's backstory oh um giving the protagonist's backstory yes uh yeah well i mean well i mean well jackie my character's um basically i mean she she's She's pretty much a sociopath. She's pure evil um, and no affinity with anyone. I mean, her relationship with Stan, her fiancé turned abusive um, when, um, you know, their baby died under mysterious circumstances. Um, and I mean, I mean, I guess, I mean, she and, and she is a victim of domestic violence, but she kind of also isn't because she, um, you know, like a lot of sociopaths do, she kind of, uh, gets off on it. She kind of likes upsetting Stan. She likes the fact she's ruined his life and, um, you know, that he's now kind of just a helpless alcoholic. Um, so I don't, I don't really see her as being the victim in, in that relationship, although, um, he is a violent man. Um, he's also, I mean, he's kind of also quite a tragic figure. Um, Tony, on the other hand, is a victim of domestic violence. She, um, you know, is a sort of very sweet, naive girl who fell in love with Rick, um, he, you know, took her away from her home, you know, from her home and into this sort of bizarre town, Devil's Cove. And so she is, she is very sort of naive and innocent and has no idea that the man she married is a hardcore criminal and, um, and a fairly abusive character. So, um, but she kind of, she turned to him, she kind of, she wanted to escape. She'd, um, she came from an abusive home herself and, um, you know, just wanted out and not realizing that she was marrying someone who was, you know, pretty, um, a pretty evil character. Right, right. Well, uh, 
and when I first saw the movie, I was like, whoa, is this the 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 husband, uh, T- Tony's husband, it reminded me uh, his appearance wise of the actor uh, Vincent Diafono. <laughs> Wait, is that him? Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, that was that was Cameron Barnes, who's um a Australian actor who um and you know I'm from Australia. It was actually very funny when we were holding the auditions. I was um I I was kind of I was walking down. I I quick, I went I left the main room to go to the bathroom, and on my way back, I was stopped by this you know very tall, very handsome man who said, "Good day, mate. Can you tell me where the auditions are?" And I was like. You know, I know that accent. That's from my home country, and I was like, "Yep, actually, I can show you exactly where they are." But yeah, no, he um, he's a you know, we were very lucky to get him. He kind of was just off the the boat from Australia, and um, uh, you know, phenomenal phenomenal actor. Um, and um, yeah, yeah, he's um, I mean, he's someone who I I think is going to go do very well. Um, yes, yes, I can see from from the role that he portrayed, uh, that character is very intense. Yeah, and he hides his accent yeah. well. If you wouldn't have told me, I would never have guessed he's Australian. <laughs> no, no, yeah, you know he's very good with accents. He's um, well, actually, I think he's originally from New Zealand, but he's New Zealand via Australia. But he um, you know, but he's uh, no, but yeah, he's brilliant. He he did get the accent really well, and um, yeah, he's very, very, very talented man. Um, <laughs> well, thanks, and also. The characters, the, the protagonist and her partner, uh, they are the centerpiece of this film. And with the landscape, right, at this moment in film, especially in independent film, horror, thrillers, so on and so forth, we are now seeing a resurgence of strong female protagonists and antagonists. Uh, with this direction, how did you craft this particular set of characters to encompass the landscape that we have right now? Oh, um, that's interesting, Quan. I, um, well, I mean, I, you know, I said, I, I liked, I really liked the idea of, you know, this is like we've got girls playing roles that guys normally play, you know, kind of, um, you know, Jackie, he's a serial killer, really. And, um, and I kind of, I really wanted to do something with that. Um, I'm a, I'm a big reader of, um, true crime as in, you know, um, you know, real events that have happened, um, real murders that have happened. And, you know, and there are a lot of female killers out there who have done atrocious things. And, um, and I kind of, yes, yeah, so I kind of wanted to, um, to make a story about that. Um, so, um, uh, you know, that was kind of why, why I sort of just came up with the idea with the, the female protagonists. Um, and, um, and it's sort of more, um, yeah, I mean, it's more, I mean, well, Jackie's, I mean, Jackie's really the one who's the evil one. Tony's more of a victim, but, um, but yeah, I guess it's, um, no, I mean, I, I guess that was kind of just where, what I wanted to do. I wanted to have, I wanted a film where the women were sort of doing the, the things guys usually do and, um, something that was very, um, you know, you know, so that's something that's not, not particularly mainstream. I mean, I know, I know movies, mainstream movies have been done with the sort of female, female road killer movies like Thelma and Louise and Monster, but, um, but it's not really that, it's not really that usual, usually in those kind of movies, it's the guy. So I kind of, I guess that was, you know, um, a, you know, an idea I wanted to play with, with women taking these roles and, um, and yeah, and then I guess that was just sort of, so I, I guess I came up with the idea 
and just um you know and then just developed it from from there yeah that's a, that's a great perspective and and you're correct uh males have been in portraying these roles for so many years and, and that was great in my opinion to see more females in these different roles and although it may seem uh, weird at first for general audiences, I think that's a big welcome and a big improvement. Uh, it should have happened long ago. <laughs> right, right. It's. I mean, I hope so. I mean, I hope because I mean, I mean, as I said, it's like one of the main reasons I started writing was because, I mean, there still are. I mean, even in today's age, there still are the better roles in movies are still for men. Um, and it just kind of, you know, I mean, that's, that is changing more and more. I mean, especially now in today's world, it is. But I kind of wanted to, you know, um, you know, it is, and I think it is important to have more, more female-driven, more, more female-driven action movies. I just think it's, um, you know, I think, I mean, and, and they definitely are coming out. I mean, like last year, we had Wonder Woman. We have. Um, you know they are um they, they are they are sort of becoming more common which, which i think is a very good thing uh, yes exactly I, i'm so glad for that for devil's cove uh, the production process being a an independent film uh, what were some of the constraints so some of the areas that you learned from in creating this product from script to screen oh well that's a very interesting one because i don't know um I mean, I, uh, we actually shot this on ten on ten k. It Ooh. was shot on nothing, um, and I was told before we did it. I was told by everyone I knew, you you will never shoot a feature film on such little money. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, to hell with that. I'm making my film, and um, I was very very lucky in that the team we got were all incredibly professional. Um, they were all doing it because they wanted to do it. Uh, they didn't mind deferring a chunk of their pay. They got paid some upfront, some was deferred. Um, and then we also, I mean, the main thing we had to do because of the budget was shoot outside of LA, which is a good thing because, you know, you know, the setting is supposed to be small town country America. So, um, we shot in Lancaster and, um, and, uh, San Bernardino, uh, for the bar scenes. But I found that when you're shooting outside of L.A., it was actually quite incredible. People really went out of their way to help you and to, um, you know, they were just they just loved the idea of, you know, um, you making a film there. So we got great deals on locations. We got um, Ron Elkov, who was uh, one of the producers on the piece, was, I mean, Lancaster's his neighborhood. So he just, you know, he went ahead. He got us the old left right and center and um you know it was um and and you know and and and, and because of that we, we made it all possible so i mean it's it, yeah i mean when you're shooting on a zero budget it's i mean there's the usual there's a trickiness because there's a time constraint you only have x amount of hours to shoot something and to get it right um but you know it was actually and we managed to find eric was a very is a very organized director he had everything planned he knew which shots he wanted there was no delaying. He just went for it, and we got it all in. Um, and um, you know, it was it was it was it, you know, it ended up being well. I mean, it was it ended up being you know a wonderful shoot. I mean, I find with film shoots, they they kind of always become my family, and it's all a team thing. You all work together, and um, and it was just, it was it was incredible. You know, we had um, some really top rate actors. We had a great team, and people just weren't. It wasn't about their egos. It wasn't about the fact that you know, um, that, that they weren't making a fortune on this movie. They just, they just really loved the story and they wanted to make it, you know, wanted to do it. And that was just really, really, really magical to, to, to be a part of that. 
Absolutely. I find it when, especially in the independent sector, uh, money, yeah, it does great to enhance the project in whatever case may be with special effects or anything. But when everybody, cast, the production team just gets together and gets it done, there's just that great feeling of accomplishment on the monetary right. thing just as an obstacle. Right. It's it, it's true. And it's well, also the thing is also Devil's Cove. I mean, I kind of deliberately also chose a script that um that could work low budget. And I think that I think with scripts like stories like that, I think it kind of does work with the sort of more grittier low budget, you know, with some of the scenes which Eric did with a handheld camera. I think it I think it'll add to up the tension in, you know, in, in movies like that. So um I sort of had all that in mind when we when I came up with the idea, but oh. yeah, so, um, but yeah, no, I mean, yeah, I mean, budget certainly helps, but I just think, you know, if you, you know, if you have a great team and if you have people who are prepared to help and, um, you know, do favors and all of that, you know, then it, 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 it makes it all a wonderful experience. Absolutely. And you, you, you bring a good, a good point with creating a screenplay that encompasses strong character-driven narratives. Uh, unfortunately, in these days, that, that's not the case with mainstream films. And that's the great thing about independent films is we have upcoming screenwriters, filmmakers, really emphasizing the characters instead of going for the eye candy. Right, right. I know that's, that's yeah, no, that's true. And, 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 I, and I hope I've, I've been able to, I've done that because that's, yeah, I think the characters are important. It's, yeah. Um, And a little about um, the protagonist, her partner. Uh, this is a interesting twist. Uh, usually, you see either two males, uh, uh, partners in crime, or a male and a female right. partners in crime. And here we have an interracial lesbian couple. Uh, creative twist. Uh, how did that come about? Was that from the original intent from the script? Uh, right. I mean, again, I wanted to do something very different, something that was not completely mainstream. Um, and yeah, that was, you know, that I just kind of thought that would be an interesting thing to play with, especially, you know, being set in the small town world, you have this interracial lesbian couple and, you know, it's kind of like they, they stand out. It's kind of, a, you know, and at, at one point in the, the motel room when, when Jackie's kind of, uh, Jackie, my character's kind of like, oh yeah, we'll just, you know, we'll, we can get away. And Tony's completely freaking out. And she's like, you know, hello, you know, we actually stand out no matter where we are, you know. <laughs> so I kind of, I thought, you know, that would kind of add to the tension a bit. And, um, you know, um, you know, no, just, uh, you know, again, just to do something, something different. And that's not, not really mainstream. Uh, uh, you, you've proven uh, that in that aspect is a great success. It works for the film. It's, it's very different. And that's just a couple of things that I mentioned is so many layers of subplots that you have working with the film that really elevates the story and is going to be a great release once it releases. I hope so. I mean, thank you. Thank you for that. I, I mean, I'm really, I'm glad you, you know, I'm glad you enjoyed it. And I hope it does, you know, um, you know, let's hope, I hope people go and see it. 
<laughs> That's always the great intent. And for Devil's Cove, I don't know if I touched on this uh, topic or not, but uh, how long did it took you to create this script? Oh, interesting. I, I actually, I mean, I came up with the idea itself about um, probably about 10 years ago. And, you know, it was just kind of me. I'm, 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 I'm always creating something. I have a notebook with me wherever I go and I scribble ideas. And then it was kind of just the scribbled out idea in a notebook. And then, um, and then sort of like in the middle of 2016, I was kind of itching to get something made. And I was kind of looking at all my ideas and thinking, well, which one could we do on a really low budget? And then I thought this would be good. So I, I wrote it out, and the original version um, was a, it was very different. The initial murder of Rick was still in there, but none of the other murders were. It was more of a sort of psychological journey of Tony, of kind of where she went with this, you know, going from an abusive husband, finding, you know, that she was in love with Jackie, and then realizing that Jackie was just as abusive as Rick. Um, but then, you know, I showed it to my, my co-producer, John Cohen, who you know, and he, you know, he makes a lot of the, a lot of, um, uh, you know, he, he makes a lot of independent movies and he read the script and he said, this will never sell. He said, you need to up the tension. You need to have more killing. Mm. And that's kind of where um, I sort of came up with the idea of, um, you know, of just sort of making it more of a, um, more of a serial killing piece. <laughs> um, uh. Okay, I'm going to make a note of that. Sex, violence, it sells in movies. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, it, it does, unfortunately. It, right. it, it really does. It's, um, you know, it, it, it is one of the things, especially with the, the, the low, more low-budget ones, uh, you know, it, it, it kind of sells. Right, unfortunately. Uh, that's the marketing uh, engine at work there. And it does make sense. Uh, you have to entice the audiences uh, somehow with whatever right. type of violence, right? Correct. Right, right. It's, um, yeah, it's just, it's, you know, it's, um, uh, you know, at one point, um, John told me to turn it into a horror, but I, I couldn't do that. I'm not a, I don't, I'm not a fan of horror. It's not my, not my genre. And I don't think I could have written a good horror. So we kind of just went with the, uh, making it a, a psychological thriller. Right. Yeah. Well, I I agree with that. As a horror, it wouldn't it wouldn't be so uh, uh, marketable. It, it works well as a thriller because this the whole aesthetic of the film would change. Uh, and joining a wide landscape of slasher films, it wouldn't just hold up. I, yeah, I mean, I hope so. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. For for Devil's <laughs> yep. Cove, uh, what are the future plans for the film? Would it be in film festival circulation or straight to DVD? Yeah. Uh, oh right, well we, we we kind of we're still we're doing the festival run, and we are um, you know we've done very well in festivals so far. We've been um, nom I, I was nominated for two best actress awards and the best screenplay. Eric won two best director awards. And then, so we have the the theatrical release on August third, and then um, and then 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 what we're doing is we we have an online release set for um, February, because February's a women's month for um, so we're gonna have a release, the online release then. <laughs> that is clever. <laughs> Talking about marketing, that's clever. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yes, yeah, that was our, our distributors. Uh, our distributors' idea that was, you know, to do to do a women. Um, so that was it. We decided um, it kind of didn't really. I think horror horror month. I think is October November, but um, yeah. So we decided to do a do the do the 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 women's month first, just February. <laughs> That's cool. Uh, as a writer um, myself. I, when I'm creating a story, and especially when it's a main protagonist, yeah. I really want to emphasize. Sometimes I would have to do the research or assume the role of the character. When you were creating this character, uh, were, what were the backstories that you delved into, and how did you assume the character uh, from the script onto screen? Um, uh, oh, sorry, I talk about my character, Jackie. Yes. Or um, oh, I uh, which uh, sorry, sorry, I talking about my char- my character Jackie. Yes, your character Jackie. Uh, while oh. writing the script, uh, how did you get into the role, of creating this character, and how you interpreted it on screen? Oh, oh sure. Uh, I mean, well, I think uh, I mean I've, I've always I've always been fascinated by sociopaths, so I kind of did a lot of research and um. In, you know, and reading up on them, and um, that was kind of what helped me a lot when when writing the script. And then, um, and then with uh, interpret, then with um, putting it on screen, I, um, I, you know, I, I again, I kind of just um, again just with, with, you know, sort of read read more about them, and you know, I also watched things like, um, I mean, Eric told me to watch. Uh, to get inspired to watch uh, Heath Ledger's portrayal of the Joker, which you know was um, where he played sociopath, which was an amazing performance. And, you know, so I, I I watched that very closely as well because it's kind of um, Jackie is very very like that, very sort of um, unpredictable changes. Um, you know, sort of cha- changes um, changes moods instantly. Right. Yeah. That's, so, that's um, a scary yeah, so part that's of kind it. Kind of how I did, I did that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I tell you, that's one of the scary traits of of that character, and is she was very unpredictable. Uh, yeah, I'm kind of fascinated by the character. I, I like this could this could go well as a uh, as a web series or something like that. <laughs> oh, th- thank you. Actually, I've had um people who asked me if they're going to do if it could do a sequel, and I guess it could. I mean, because at the end, both the protagonists are still alive. I mean, Jackie's in jail, but she's still alive. So mm. yeah, it could um definitely um definitely um definitely um definitely do well. It definitely yeah, it definitely is an option. Uh, that, that's great to hear. At least we have a a light on the horizon on the possible uh, if. <laughs> Yes, hopefully, yes. And uh, to close out the interview, I have a, a couple of questions. And the first one sure. being is more of a motivational aspect that I always uh, inject into the interviews. And being that you have started off your origin story with such positivity and, and really utilizing your time to craft your career, uh, what do you provide as advices especially for female actresses who want to jump in to the independent film scene thriller horror so on and so forth sure um, well, i mean i said to everyone i know who's starting out um 
uh, don't do it unless you want to do it because it's a really, really, really hard field. And, um, you know, and it's not, you know, and definitely don't do it if you want to make money right away. <laughs> so, um, I mean, I think one of the, um, the moments that I remember of the movie La La Land is the scene where Emma Stone puts on a play and she's talking to her mom on the phone and her conversation goes along the lines of, um, yeah, mom, I'm in a play. No, mom, I'm not being paid to be in the play. I'm paying to be in the play, which, um, you know, I totally cracked up at. And I think which every single actor in the independent film world can relate to it. So, I mean, I just, you know, my, my advice is just do it if you love it. Don't do it for any other reason. And yes, and just, you know, just keep at it. Just, you know, find ways to, to make your, to make it happen. Wow. I, I haven't seen the movie, but that is a very inspiring quote. Uh, yes, it's very, I mean, it's not meant to be a funny scene when she says it, but I think, I think I was the only one in the audience who cracked up laughing because it just was <laughs> so close to home for me, that line. Yes. Uh, yeah, that that goes across the board for even content creators, especially with the social media platforms. Everybody's just vying to uh, have that instant spotlight. It it takes time and craft and patience, and as you mentioned, right, right, yeah, uh, right. don't get don't I expect know. to get paid. <laughs> I know exactly. It just don't don't you know if you think you're going to be you know be making money right away, don't don't even go into it. You know, it's just you're in the wrong business. You know, become a an, a lawyer or an accountant or something if you want to make money right away. But <laughs> don't become an actor. Oh, absolutely! Because it, it truly it does. It would dilute the craft once you become a fictionated, uh, affixed to getting a big paycheck. Right, right. That would. Yep. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, to close out the interview. Uh, where can, uh, this is the part where you could insert your social media handles, where people could find you, your film, and whatever information you care to plug in. Oh, sure. I mean, if you put in, uh, right now we have a Facebook page, Devil's Cove Movie. If you just, if you put it into Facebook, it usually comes up, it comes up right away. So you just put Devil's Cove the Movie. And um, yeah, and that's sort of just that. That's uh, our Facebook page where you can um, just sort of read the latest updates on the film. And then I guess when we, you know, when we are available online, when we have our online release in February, there'll be more updates. And yeah. Great. Great. Well, I'm glad you're utilizing Facebook uh, as opposed to other uh, comments uh, that Facebook is not the uh, suitable source. Uh, it quite is that an Instagram for f independent filmmakers promoting their film. Oh, it is. Oh, absolutely. Yes, for sure. It's very, um, no, it is, it is, it's, it is very, um, it is that that's how it, um, it is very good for that. Good. Uh, and thank you once again, Chloe, for your time. Congratulations on no, no. on your film and, and just pursuing you. your dream. No, thank you. And thank you. Thank you for watching the film and, and thank you for the interview. Segment three, television streaming, Stranger Things season three delayed. Well, this is a bummer. It looks like it's going to be. It looks like it's going to be a longer wait than uh, we want for Stranger Things season three, um, which 
won't be coming until next summer. Um, I'm actually sad to hear about this, but the light at the end of the tunnel, uh, Netflix assures that it will be worth it. Um, it's supposed to be the third of season two, and I, honestly, for me, after watching season two, I'm like, wow, how could it even get any better? But, of course, we can only hope that he season progresses and gets better than the last. I mean, at the end of the day, that's what, you know, keeps a series on. That's what keeps it afloat. It has to get better every season. It can't go from great to, you know, dropping down. Uh, Tracy, let's start with you. What do you think about Stranger Things uh, Season 3? Have you seen this teaser trailer? I have not seen the teaser trailer and I am just woefully behind on that because I've been wanting to see the trailer. Um, That it has been postponed is kind of awful because I was one of those people who saw it a little late. Like I saw it after everybody else had seen it and, and raved about it seasons one and two. So then I went back and did some catching up and was like, oh, this is awesome. And so I was waiting for it to come out and, and now I have to wait some more, I guess, which, you know, sucks. <laughs> well, Tracy, you're not the only one. I seen season one. It was great. I have not seen season two. On I don't even count watching it here and there. That doesn't count. So I don't know what's going on and how it, the season two ended. With that said, season three delayed the only thing i could think about at this point is either production schedules are getting constrained or this may be a sign that the viewerships is going down and the tactic here is that they're holding off the producers that is are holding off on the release date so that way they could garner more attention and gain more audiences. It's it's a game, really, when they have such a great commodity such as Stranger Things. Well, actually, to piggyback off that, here's a quote. It says, it's a handcrafted show. Uh, the Duffer Brothers and Sean Levy understand the stakes are high. They want to deliver something bigger and better than last year. I think it's going to be a fantastic season. It will be worth the wait, quote unquote. Um, so I don't know if uh, you know. What did you think about? What do you think about that quote? Um, <laughs> pretty much trying to answer up the stage from season three because I mean season two because I know you said you haven't seen season two, but honestly. Um, season one was good and then season two was even better than season one so now it's like yeah they're gonna have to empty up the stage you know they gotta you know that was a great season now season two delved even darker than season one it got more into the heart of the upside down um, because you know how season one where you you, kind of got teased of the, this whole concept of the upside down and everything and it was this big uh, chase this run around for Will where's Will and 
you know, the upside down and wear a pair of just anchors. Like, what, what is the upside down? We want to see the upside down. But in season two, it's like, okay, now we're getting into the midst of the upside down, the heart of it and everything. Mm-hmm. So now that we finally delve into that, okay, now what are we doing with season two, with season three? Right. And I, said, this, I don't know what the teaser trailer was, but I felt like I was watching the bubble gum commercial. <laughs> yeah, that, that teaser trailer I is... Mean, <laughs> I, what was that, Kim? What kind of teaser trailer is that? I, I, you know, you, you got me. I watched that teaser trailer and it just reminded me of uh, a throwback commercial from the 80s. I, I don't know what they were going for with that. But for the comment, hmm, that the, the, the conspiracy theorist in me always uh, it, it piques my interest and in why they dropped that comment. Hmm. Perhaps they are trying to, like the, like I stated before, uh, trying to hold off on it and gain more viewership. They know what they're trying to do, but they just want to gain more viewers. I, I would hate to see Stranger Things get canceled for no for low viewership. You know, this seems to be an original concept. I think it may be. Um, season one did well. Season two um, did okay. But when you have this much time in between seasons like that, people tend to lose interest in what's not immediately available. And considering the fact that the seasons themselves weren't very long in the first place, you can watch both seasons in one sitting. So, um, and there may be something going on behind the scene. Perhaps some of the kids may be working on some other projects that may be taking them away from the series for a little while so they had to um, delay some of the filming you know it it could be anything that um, you know uh, could be causing them to postpone the next season my hope that is that it does continue because I like the idea of the 80s Scooby gang because that's what they are (laughs) just a a Scooby gang um via 80s uh you know via an 80s vehicle so it's pretty cool to see uh that type of thing work out and just to see just a cast of uh amazing young kids who are in the lead they're the main characters and that's really cool to see them be able to take ownership of a series like that so hopefully it'll continue right yeah and and you make a great point Uh, i really it fascinates me when children are the centerpiece of a film be it as the protagonist or in this case well in this case the protagonist but when they are the antagonists such as the omen and so on and so children of the corn so on and so forth uh it's it takes great talent especially for young actors to really jump into the horror genre so kudos to the cast in this instance for stranger things and just to touch up there there have been other horror film horror series correction on cable that really just dragged out and one of them was dexter i I enjoyed the series i've seen every season from beginning to end but watching it from that perspective from season one and then season two was the same thing as one and three is the same thing as four 
I hope that's not the case here. There's so much room for the for development. And with the first season of Stranger Things, everything had to do with that conspiracy of uh, the little girl and she was a product of MK Ultra programming because uh, that's what it was. You can't beat around the bush. That's what it was. And with the second season, I have yet to see it. But Stacy, with your description, it went into the what's it called again? The the flip world, the other world. The, the, the upside down. The upside down. They they must be talking about New York here. They, this place is upside down. I don't know if they're probably <laughs> referring to New York. Uh, but to close out this segment, I'm looking forward to season three. I gotta catch up on season. I'm gonna take your comment that you always say at each podcast, Stacy. I have it on my queue, so <laughs> I have this season on my queue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely check out season two. Um, yeah, like I like I said, it uh, it definitely gets darker than season one. Um, and it delves more into the upside down and you actually get a look at the upside down not just hearing about it it's not just this like rumor of this dark place and you never see it you actually get into it so it's like it's a yeah it's a great one it's it, it gets it definitely gets more intense than season one does flicks and kill debuts on youtube Netflix with Kill Chelsea, a likely story of a psychopath and his victim who spends all day sitting around watching television. Hitched as Gogglebox with a horror twist, the web series is the first production under the Bubble Wrap Creations Mantle, which is a partnership between Shenton producer Batiste Charles. The series reunites the award winner with Adam Reeves Davies. Nick Lamont stars of her hugely popular narrative debut, Egomaniac. The first two episodes of the eight part series will drop on Hex Studios, the YouTube channel, on Saturday, August 4th, which is today actually and new episodes screening each week. Uh, Ken, what do you think about um, about this Netflix and Kira? You, no, actually, I've been hearing that term, and I didn't know it was actually a, a series. I mean, first it was Netflix and Kill, and then I recently started hearing Netflix and Kill, and I'm like, oh, it's actually a series. <laughs> what do you think about this? Well, thanks to you, I feel like an ancient elderly person because I didn't know what Netflix and chill meant until you uh, uh, mentioned it a few podcasts ago uh, and I found it to be hilarious. I'm not up to the uh, hip lingo with the youth of of today. (laughs) Uh, Netflix and Kill, on the other hand, I'm familiar with the, uh, the, the company Hex Studios and of course uh, Laurie Brewster he has directed some phenomenal psychological horror thrillers and they have great success on Kickstarter it's one of their films that they have on Kickstarter Automata it's uh, it's just garnered great attention got the funding for it and everything 
and one of the protagonists that they are famous for at Hex Studios is the Owl Man. And I remember when his company first started that they were actually going to these uh, these uh, webcam uh, services that usually it has to do with sexual stuff, but they had the owl man there. So when the other person on the other line was about to engage on, with the other person, they'll see this owl man just creeping up to the camera and it just went viral. Uh, I bring that up because Netflix and Kill is going to be on the Hex YouTube channel and just seeing the growth of this company branching off from film to YouTube channels to helping out upcoming uh, producers and directors. I find this is this is what indie horror uh, uh, genre needs is just a company and springing up here and there just helping each other out and that's how you can see the progression i'd heard the term um but i hadn't seen it apparently there's a book out by that name as well really hmm. yes and um so i think i'd like to read the book because I've, I've read the synopsis of the book and um, I think I might want to read it <laughs> um, seems like it might be darkly comedic um, I think it's a twist on the whole I like the twist on the Netflix and chill type of deal I think it uh, may scare some people away from um, you know watching Netflix so you know hey it'd be a good time to switch over and listen to Scream Radio because then you won't get you know killed while listening to that <laughs> I, 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 that was a very cool right hook you threw in there that's cool <laughs> but I, get your horror fix and survive at the same time right <laughs> but as a parent uh, you heard of Netflix and chill please tell me you have it because I feel like I'm the only one who ha has not heard the term Netflix oh, and chill I know what no. Netflix and chill means <laughs> and I saw someone made wow. a meme, which I thought was really cool. Is they they um it was a text message they received, and someone asked them if they wanted to, uh you know Netflix and chill. And then the person responded, "I do not want to Netflix and chill because that is how you end up with children." So yeah, I think that's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> that is hilarious that's hilarious uh wow like i said stacy uh you you brought up that term i never knew what that no. was but i'm gonna stick oh. with this one netflix and Jeez. kill netflix and chill <laughs> has been a, a quote-unquote thing for the longest um yeah I, I can't believe you never heard of that and you know and then and you no, used not. to really irritate me when they say Netflix and chill um, but now it's just like it's really funny you know and then when they came up with Netflix and chill I'm thinking like oh great here's another annoying trend going Netflix and chill and then come to find out it's an actual show like oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> for Netflix and Kill uh, it's a British 
horror. It's it's th this is one thing that is missing from here in the states is that originality of combining comedy with horror the only one that really sticks out on the top of my head that blends comedy and horror well is Zombieland but the British I think they have outscored Hollywood with so much content including this one Netflix and Kill even though if it, it's not a mainstream production it's indie produced but still where have we seen something this uh favorable for the genre coming out of the states so i'm not generally a fan of comedy in the first place so it's a rare feat for me to enjoy a film that has comedic elements to it i like british humor and a lot of their films do happen to have a lot of uh, comedy in them so I, I yeah I'm, I'm one of those who really uh, prefers British horror comedies to American horror comedies and as far as I, I would say that really the only American one that I've enjoyed was probably Tucker and Dale versus Evil and I ran across that one purely on accident and that's that's one of my favorite films but I prefer my comedy dark so yeah you you, you have to skip over the pond some to find a film that fits that mold Amazon to launch race commentary horror anthology Amazon has placed a two season order of them a horror event series from Lena Waite, master of none, co-star, and key creator. The first season of the anthology series, dubbed Them, uh, Covenant, is set in 1953 and centers in Lucky and Marie, a couple who decide to move their family from North Carolina to an all-white Los Angeles neighborhood. The family's home on a tree-lined, see, seemingly idyllic street becomes ground zero, where malevolent forces, both real and supernatural, threaten to taunt, ravage, and destroy them. Ah, uh, well, um, this sounds both, um, this actually sounds uh, pretty interesting and sounds a little bit familiar. Tracy, what do you think about them? It sounds interesting. Um, I would really need to know more about it to really be able to have an opinion on it. I just hope that it's good. Like at this point, um, you know, my thing is just take an original idea and do it well. So I go into movies with an open mind because I, I try not to compare it to anything that I've seen previously. Um, not even, I mean, and I, I found that even taglines and synopsis that uh, the movie companies put out sometimes don't jive with the actual film itself so I've seen descriptions and then watched the movie like what that's not what happened so um so I just I'll, I'll wait to see 
What comes out? For them, Stacy, you mentioned that the plot revolves in 1953, North Carolina. So with that in mind, I'm thinking that it is going to have a social commentary. And we all know that horror, the horror genre, horror cinema, it's so popular for its social commentary. And one of the things that I hope doesn't happen with this genre is that the inclusion of the tribulations of a a race, say African-American with white culture or Asians with the 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 oppressions that they went through during the, the Western era building the railroads and being ostracized by by the whites or the native americans losing their land with from the whites from the settlers so saying all of that uh, i hope that hollywood does not use that as a marketing tool to milk it because then the social commentary is just gonna lose its essence and just become another cash grab and that would be unfortunate because there's so many um examples to put out there that could be conveyed so well in horror cinema don't you think uh stacy what what's your opinion on from from that approach because listening to them it sounds like it's going into social commentary area yeah and, and i actually i definitely um think that that's an interesting idea and, um, you know, it, it kind of, uh, not really as far as the, um, not the synopsis, but it kind of takes me back to, like, you know, get out and everything. And I kind of feel like ever since that movie, now we have some um, directors going more into that area as well so um but i'm definitely all for social commentary as we've uh, talked about before there's actually a nice trend and in uh cinema and horror cinema i think any film that effectively speaks to what's going on in our country, our fears, our prejudices, um, you know, and those things, and does it, again, effectively, is a good thing. Uh, I just don't want it to to be a gimmick. Um, If you're gonna do it, then with, you know, be as as middle of the road as possible. And, And by that, I mean, be factual with it. Don't use it to skew a viewpoint either way. Some things just are what they are without added biases, you know? So as long as it's done and it's done in a way that helps to bring some enlightenment to some people and also to bring some about some change, um, 
you know every little thing counts and and you you know change takes place one person at a time it's not an overall planet-wide thing it won't happen uh like that but as long as it is done in a way that makes one person walk away from this film or walk out of the theater or walk or turn off their television and and think a little bit differently and, and make them want to ch uh, challenge the status quo as far as what they've been told to think about people based on their race or ethnicity or sexual connotation or whatever, then I think that that is an effective film and should be made. Right. And another area that I see is when Hollywood states, especially with the, with the horror film and something with innovation, they always like the marketing engine is at full speed with, by saying the first uh, black director or the first lesbian director. And when I hear something like that, I'm saying, okay, how ridiculous is that? So you mean to tell me that in our whole planet of billions of individuals, that's the only uh, brown person, Asian person, Latino to pick up a camera and make a film? That doesn't make sense in my opinion. Uh, what I think they're construing in a way is for it to be to call the audiences to watch the film and say, hey, yeah, look, the, the, and this could cater to the urban crowd or this could, could cater to the LGBT community without being right, rightfully so. And that, that's the fear that I have, that it will just become a marketing tool. Uh, to close out on that particular area and it, that does relate to them in a way because it's just I, I see there's a really good potential with this series for that commentary areas uh, yeah I'm definitely uh, looking forward to this and I am interested in the whole night set in 1953 um, I feel like you know are getting to that now where they're setting it you know back and that in, in itself is uh, interesting um like I said I just don't want it to be a gimmick use it if you're gonna do that um, then it should be a teachable film and not one where you're using race or sex or um, sexual orientation just to sell a film or to appeal to an audience um, because then there's no help being given and no lessons being taught. It's just a another film done to get to an audience and elicit an emotional response and then you move on to the next thing without having helped anyone find any solutions. Segment four. Trailer first impressions, Venom. We are Venom. I'm Eddie Brock. I'm a reporter. I always seem to find myself questioning something the government may not be looking at. I found something 
really bad. And I have been... Eddie. Who said that? Taken. Kicking off segment three, trailer first impressions, is the viral inducing trailer for Venom. Venom would release this October 2018. The synopsis reads, for those who do not know what Venom is all about, when Eddie Brock acquires the powers of a symbiote, he would have to release his alter ego, Venom, to save his life. Wow. All I can say is I've been looking forward to this trailer for ever since the first trailer arrived. And I have to say, I, I'm, not, I'm unfamiliar with the Venom character. I have not read the comic book. Uh, but this is Marvel's first attempt on a horror film based on a comic book character. So for that, I'm looking forward to it. This creature looks fierce, a lot of teeth, big eyes, cannibal, and has stars my favorite actor, Tom Hardy. Love his work, great stuff. The only negative, if I wanna be nitpicking, would be the accent that Tom Hardy brings to the table for this character. I was hoping he'll bring the accent that he had with the film Warrior. That was a more intense um, American accent, but instead he presented the accent, uh, what was it, Under the Bridge, I think the film was called. It, it sounds too much like Rocky Balboa to me in my opinion. But in any event, I'm looking forward to this film. Uh, Stacy, what are your opinions of this trailer? Or are you familiar with this comic book character? Um, well, I mean, as far as the, the comic books go, I'm not familiar. But um, I've been excited about this film ever since I saw uh, the trailer. I believe it was during the preview for Deadpool 2. And ever since I saw this trailer, I've been excited about it. And actually, I think I've uh, learned from someone that Venom is an anti-hero. And, uh, and I felt that that was uh, interesting because I don't really know what an anti-hero is. I mean, do, I mean, what exactly is an anti-hero? What does that mean? Uh, an anti-hero is someone who is at its core um, or it is or supposed to be evil, but they help people along actually an anti-hero. Um, so it's, it, it just gets complicated. Uh, Venom is a symbiote that... Um, attaches itself uh, in the comics to Eddie Brock. Um, so he has similar powers to Spider-Man, as most people listening to this podcast. I hope they already know that 
because Venom has been around for a while. So in the comic book world, um, he and Spider-Man often end up working side by side, though it's not always intentional. Um, and then there is a third symbiote, uh, well, second symbiote that ends up getting introduced that is a, a little bit more evil than Venom, but I'm sure they'll bring that about later. So, yeah, uh, Venom is, is he's supposed to be bad, but he, uh, in the course of the series, he, he helps out on occasions and is sometimes on the good guy side. <laughs> That's what makes this character so interesting is that he's good, he's bad, he's in between sometimes. And there are a lot of characters like that in Marvel. Uh, the Punisher is another example. He's bad guy, a good guy, and you don't know. Yeah. Uh, f the visuals, uh, Tracy, what did you think about comparison to the first trailer, if you've seen it? So <laughs> the first trailer um, was actually missing Venom. So I'm glad they included him in the follow-up trailer, in the official trailer, because that was the thing, was how were they going to portray him? Um, because the last time people saw Venom on screen was in Spider-Man, uh, the, uh, the Tobey Maguire version of, of, of Spider-Man. So it was interesting to see how they were going to characterize him on screen. Um, I'm still uh, the jury's still out on how I really feel about how they are portraying him in the film because you only see bits and pieces of him and, and I want to see the uh, it on screen in full um, to see whether it's too CGI or, or you know um, if they they've pulled off something really cool with the character itself but from what I've seen so far um, I like it I'm excited to see it you mentioned Tracy and I just I knew it but I, I had to do some research there is Venom and in, in this film they're introducing Riot which is another symbiote <clears throat> And also, they have Carnage. Carnage. And there's another one after that, right? The Carnage is red, and there's a female... Carnage is red, yeah. And it, there's a female uh, Venom as well. So there's four of them, I think. I think they're expanding it. In, in the comic books, they really only focused on... In the comic books and in the animated series, they really only focused on Venom and Carnage. Um, so the other ones are, are going to be relatively new to a lot of people because again it's ex ex so because this is a venom film uh, so the focus is on him so I, I think they're expanding the characters but uh, you know it's, it's worth saying that venom is a symbiote who picks up the character picks the characteristics characteristics of the person that he's attached to hence the sometimes being good and bad uh because he just magnifies their natural characteristics uh carnage ended up being attached to somebody who was just inherently a bad egg and that person liked carnage 
<laughs> so he didn't want to get rid of them. Um, so it's it's going to be interesting to see how they play out a film that focuses solely on Venom as a character, um, especially when people are going into this film and seeing all of the similarities to Spider-Man. And they're going to be comparing him heavily to his character in the comic books and things like that. So it's going to be interesting um, to see how it plays out. Right. <clears throat> and I'm hoping if they make a sequel that Tom Hardy's on board, I, I just, I enjoy his acting. And uh, to go back into the subject, uh, Stacy, October is going to be a packed month for horror films. And I think re releasing Venom October 5th plays good. I think it's going to get good money because a little a, a couple of weeks after that or i think the the following week we're gonna have that atrocious halloween reboot that's gonna be released yeah <laughs> that uh, was a left <laughs> <What the laughs> you know it, i i don't really know what to make of uh, the new halloween film but um this one is where you really have to just wait and see because it's like here we are we're excited for you know Jamie Lee Turner we're excited for John Coffey getting back in there but then again we're just like oh, really this franchise is tired but going back to um to Venom um wow that's that, that's actually interesting it, 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 it comes out in October and honestly I think that film will probably lead in the box office I really do I yeah, mean, yeah I, I think mean, so too it's Marvel you know like uh, pretty much all Marvel films uh, dominate in the box office really but uh, I really do think it's gonna dominate over the other you know films in this uh in the genre, I should say, it's kind of dominate. Yeah, I think it's going to dominate. And like I said, this is uh, Marvel's first horror film using uh, Venom. It, it makes perfect sense. Oh, yeah. And I'm, I'm excited for that alone. I mean, you know, I, I love the, the Avengers and all them, but it's like, wow, horror you know a horror like an anti an anti-hero anti-superhero and everything I'm like okay um I'm actually really excited for that what still remains the loss of her family, a young woman struggled to survive in a world long since destroyed by disease. But when a traveler offers her a place in his community, she must decide if the promise of a better life is worth the risk of trusting him. 
What Still Remains is directed by Josh Mendoza. He also writes the script. Um, the cast stars Lulu and Tariska, Colin O'Donoghue, Mimi Rogers, and Don Norwood. Coming to theaters August 14th. Uh, yeah, yeah, this trailer here stopped me. I didn't really understand what was going on. Uh, it kind of reminded me <laughs> of one of those like uh, like post-apocalyptic films where you know it's just like just a bunch of aimless. I mean, like it's just aimlessness. And you can't. What did you think about this trailer? What still remains? <clears throat> I I have to follow your lead here and state that it is confusing in a way. Uh, one of the th areas okay before i jump into that the whole premise behind a first impressions of the trailer is doesn't sway us to see or um not watch the film it these are marketing devices that present the cinematography the acting the creature effects if they show it in the trailer so you could get more or less a sense of the quality of the film and the thing that confused me with what still remains is the acting it, it had no emotional context there with the scenes with the interactions between the characters and you could get that it's evident the cinematography i wasn't quite feeling that because it's so basic okay uh post-apocalyptic era um show me something else what is it what's going on show me the human trauma and that's what was missing here uh so it just it feels generic would i watch it yeah i would watch it uh just to get a better understanding on the visual narrative uh, the what the direct and the screenwriter are trying to uh express to the audience i feel like it's been done before <laughs> uh, I just I feel like it's another post-apocalyptic wasteland people scavenging to survive is humanity going to make it deal <laughs> <laughs> that was it, it, straight it, to the it, point <laughs> you know and it's like um, so I, it doesn't really give me anything to buy into, you know, it, I'll, I'd watch it to watch it, to support horror. Some films I watch because I watch them. Some films I watch because I'm really, you know, interested in what the hell is about to go on on the screen. Um, but this doesn't, it doesn't pull me. It doesn't make me feel like I need to run and, and watch this anytime soon. Um, you know, it can wait. It can go on the bottom of my to-do list. Um, uh, Stacy, uh, are you a gamer? Have you played The Last of Us? <clears throat> Um, I'm not a very big gamer. I play from time to time. And the last of us, no, I have not played, but I'm familiar uh, with it. And Tracy, uh, have you played or seen The Last of Us, the, the, the PlayStation game title? 
I have not played it, but I found the synopsis of it online and read it. Um, so I'm very familiar with it. Uh, well, in this case, it's an easy Google search for the, the audience listening. If you type in The Last of Us, look at the game cover, and then you look at the cover for what still remains. I think what these the production team were going for was emulating the video game. You have the same color font. You have the same font. You have the same color tones. And then you have the male and the female protagonist on the cover. It's, it's, it's mirroring this video game and to such an extent that, excuse me, the, uh, what are you trying to do here? It, it does not feel original in that context. I, I, I saw it a mile away as soon as I saw this, the thumbnail for the trailer. Did anybody catch that aspect there? Stacy, you didn't catch that, right? Ah, <laughs> uh, no, I didn't. <laughs> yeah, I got I to have an ego eye for this. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, that's one of my favorite video games and I'm, I'm getting a PlayStation what is it 4 now just for the The Last of Us 2 oh god lo- love that game and anyway I'm, I'm diverting from the topic uh, to close out Stacy uh, closing remarks for what still remains uh, yeah again um, I'm back to a little confused by the trailer and everything um, but I definitely I keep my eye out for just for just to check it out and see what it's gonna be like right right and closing remarks Tracy <laughs> <laughs> I'll watch it eventually um, you know <laughs> I mean it's a movie and I, I'll, I'll watch it because it's a horror film and I'll check it out and just have my uh, sheet with all of my tick boxes on there so I can tick off everything that reminds me of everything that I've already seen (laughs) you know maybe I'll do like a drinking game every time a similarity pops up oh there's one (laughs) mm, that's a good idea I should do that and have uh, for every similarity I drop a dollar or ten cents yeah that would be cool right yeah (laughs) The Night Shifter. Eu falo com o morto. Eu não sei explicar. Ah, que hospital. Que filharia. Não. É isso. Acabou. works the night shift at a morgue in a very large, very violent city. On the job, he sees cadavers in every conceivable state, often the victims of horrific gang warfare. While most would be rather unsettled by it all, Stenio is not, for the dead speak to him, and not in any metaphorical sense, but in a very literal one. Stenio was born with an occult gift, and while not everyone would be at ease conversing with mutilated cadavers on 
flaps, he has learned that there are endless secrets that can be gleaned this way. Related to crime, to prosperity. One day he learns a terrible secret about people in his own life. He commits the sin of acting on knowledge obtained from the dead, cursing himself and those dearest to him in the process. Thus is the story of The Night Shifter, um, a film by Denison Romolino. Nope, I said that wrong. But so <laughs> the night shifter. Um so I watched the the trailer for it and after having read the synopsis, I went back and watched the trailer again. And while I've seen this premise acted upon uh, acted out before, uh, it seems like it's a little bit more of an original film although again it's there are thoughts that have been gleaned from other films but i'm interested in seeing this movie if if for no other reason than to see what horrible things befall him for uh gleaning information one of the things a lot of films teach us is that uh, sometimes knowledge learned is knowledge best left unused and you run into you, you you run into that um where they say if, you know if you go back in time if you had the ability to go back in time if you could change things you shouldn't because it could have a horrible ripple effect and this is that type of, of situation where it's if you could go back in time and change something would you or if you could learn something about somebody would you use that knowledge or would you just sit back and watch the thing come to pass and as much as you want to change it and so this is a film that warns against the dangers of meddling with things that are sometimes better left alone interesting take on that and i would have to agree the night shifter does have a sense of familiarity but those visuals and the acting totally eliminate any type of uh, any type of relation or mirroring another premise or another uh, visual narrative. I, th I think the acting is pretty solid here, and the cinematography and the practical effects are just spot on, and it catches my attention. Another thing the trailer is successful in conveying is that it's a character-driven narrative. Sure, you have the gore and you have the good edits in, in the film, but also I want to know what happens to this guy. I want to know the final minutes yeah. in Act 3. I want to know what happens to him. Yeah, I, th I think, um, like I said, I, I want to see it because I want to see what happens. Um, which is, yeah. <laughs> since we clearly know bad things are going to happen, I don't know if that uh, makes us kind of macabre in wanting <laughs> to see what happens in Act Three, because you know things are bad things are going to occur. Oh, absolutely. But, um, yeah. Oh well, this was another trailer that I was stumped on, and this is going in the opposite. Um, ways than the previous film was still remain. And I was so like 
I was so reeled in with the scenes. I mean, the scenes of the gore and everything. I felt like I was kind of watching a... And I'm putting it in... This is going to sound bad, but it, I actually mean it in a good way. I was, I feel like I was watching one of those, uh, like, trash lead uh, films of the 70s and 80s, but with quality, with great quality. If <laughs> that makes sense, if mm-hmm. that even makes sense. And Steinio is definitely an interesting character. Um... So I am definitely interested in this, and I'm excited to see it uh, again, just like you guys are saying, to get to know his character even more. Right. And that's one thing that's lacking, in my opinion, with horror cinema, is the character-driven narratives. I believe, especially with Hollywood, they always go for the eye candy and the special effects and for the independent scene they want to go for the gore and nothing wrong with that but you gotta draw a fine line between developing your character and just giving the audience what they want instant gratification and that only can last you so long for a 90 minute film well that's one of the things that for me makes this film um interesting i am there's only so much blood you can throw at the screen for me there's only so much exposition that you can feed me in a film I'd rather see some characters that are really working through some situations and 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 when I mean working through I mean working through I mean sitting down and talking them out and trying to figure it out without someone coming along and saying, here's everything that's happening, um, you know, 30 minutes into the film. Uh, I don't like films that are so nihilistic that you're just like, oh my God, if one more thing happens to this character, like, um, but I do like plot-driven and character-driven films um, where you get to see an actual story and you actually get to take this roller coaster ride with the character um, so that when those things happen to the character you feel like with them because you can you you've gotten to care about this character they developed them enough for you to actually feel like hey you know I'm actually in this thing with this person and I care about what happens to them right and that's the good thing about this particular trailer whoever edited this trailer did a good job and for those listening, yes, that is a job. Editing the full feature film, cutting out the good stuff or what have you, and creating a an intriguing trailer. That is a trade. And whoever's interested in doing that, you can make a living off of that. But going back to the topic, Stacy, uh, you mentioned how this film reminds you of a certain exploitation area for the 70s. You're familiar with some of these... Uh, more extreme films uh like american guinea pig and stuff like that and you've voiced your opinion on how that's just gore for 90 minutes i think the night's shifter is a and a great different pace yeah that's what i meant when i said with quality um because 
even like even though it, it, it's kind of like, like I said, right? like I'm watching the movie like that, but actually has quality. Um, that's why I said like this is gonna sound bad, but I mean <laughs> it in a good way. Uh, I, I do like that it actually looks like it's of high quality, you know? Um, and it's not like just one of them shock factor films where they're trying to see how far they can take you or something like that, or it's a battle of, oh, can I make this person puke? And You know what I'm saying? It's not like that kind mm-hmm. of film. It actually mm-hmm. has a storyline to it, and like you said, it's character-driven and everything. That's very important when you're going into like four and, and also when you're incorporating the brutality and the gore and everything you know, where it's a lot of these films nowadays it's just pretty much a battle of um, how long can you stand who's going to leave the room first you know what I'm saying it's that whole instead of actually making a production that has quality to it with the plot, with the characters, the storyline, all of that, and making something that actually has stamina. They're just throwing something at you, throwing in, you know, these cheesy gore scenes, and then, you know, just hoping yeah, it'll build its reputation on that alone. Thank you for tuning in to DK Mag Podcast. Uh, you can find our podcast on Google Music, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. And before we leave, let's just take a moment, closing remarks on the various topics we were discussing in this podcast, which are so diverse, uh, beginning with our guest co-host, Tracy any closing remarks on any of the topics we covered remakes are cool reboots are okay sometimes but um there's so much creativity out there and i'd really like to put more original ideas um so that we can go and support them like you put it out there i'll definitely support it i just it just needs to be done yeah i agree with you 100 percent. and stacy uh, any closing remarks to any of the topics that we have delved in or something you just want to insert in this closing segment? Uh, I find it really funny how um, a lot of us agree that all these reboots and remakes and everything and these refurbished ideas are just, uh, we're done with it. And, and that just goes to show that this speaks for um, if not all, the majority of the fans of this genre. Um, but with that being said, there are a few titles I am looking forward to. Uh, again, Death of Me, um, and I'm looking forward to Venom, of course, and The Night Shifter. Oh, so. Right. And Hollywood, uh, they are dominating the box office with a superhero infused themes and i'm just looking forward to venom just because it's marvel's first horror film and like i mentioned i'm unfamiliar with the comic book uh pretty much i did not read that comic because it was featured in spider-man and spider-man did not attract me as a 
suitable superhero. The premise was kind of weak in my opinion, but anyway, I digress. Uh, Venom, looking forward to it. He looks badass. Tom Hardy, great actor, looking forward to the film. On the other topics that we've discussed, I have to agree with the both of you. Reboots, we're tired of them and we need original content and the first <clears throat> the first couple of segments that we discussed excluding the terminator uh feel original a24 is coming up with another film untitled as of now hereditary is kicking ass in the box office for its originality that's what we need especially if we want hard to progress be sure to stop by our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash bkmad. Your donations will help us bring future episodes. As a patron, you'll receive bonus content as well as free and discounted on upcoming bkmad merchandise. And you can find our content at dkmag.com. Remember, we are not DK Magazine. I don't know who inserts the A and the Z I N E. We are not DK or the letters DK. We are DK Mag. Find us at DKMag.com. And special thanks to our guest co-host, Tracy. Uh, please feel free to plug in your social media handles, Twitter, Instagram, uh, and your radio. Uh, what is the URL? I'm intrigued. I'm going to be tuning in myself. Um. So... S-C-R-M radio. So that's scream without the E and the A. Uh, so it's scrmradio.com. That's the website and you can listen live through the website. Scream Radio can also be found through its dedicated app, which is on the Google Play Store. Um, not in the iTunes uh, app store as of yet, but it can be listened through through TuneIn, through Streama, you can listen through it through your Amazon Echo or any other uh, application that picks up either of those applications. Uh, SCRM Radio on Twitter, SCRM Radio on Facebook, SCRM Radio on YouTube. Um, my personal um, music pages are T R A C E E dot C O and tracytr.com so that's t-r-a-c-e-e-t-r.com and that's where you'll find my music and my videos are also on youtube uh my songs are on spotify and itunes and everywhere um so yeah but most importantly though be sure to tune in to scream radio uh give us a listen support the artists that submit um take the time to narrate these stories and create these original productions and put them out there for people to hear uh and it, um we've had 40 we had forty-six thousand listeners for july and we're hoping to break that in august so uh, clearly people want to hear what we're putting out there and we're grateful for those who have and don't uh, be afraid to tune in and, and hear a little bit of horror uh, thank you for that and to put you on the spot and we're going to plug this segment this particular topic uh, on Instagram as we do with our guests and our interviewees in your opinion 
what advices do you present to those who want to delve into horror but in your case you delve into the music industry as well as horror uh, by providing uh, this content through scream radio so what are your advices So to get into the the music business, which I started, um, really got into it back in 2013, um, the radio station in 2017, I honestly had to fight to do it. I had a lot of naysayers um, and, and people who really literally tried to keep me from doing both music and then moving into other areas by um, attacking my character uh, with my friends and my family and and things like that. My advice to anybody who wants to do anything, music, horror, um, literature, just whatever it is that you want to go into is just to do it. Nobody is going to support your dream more than you are. And you have to want it more than people want you to stop doing it so if you can't stop thinking about it um, then you need to be doing it if it's something that is your passion you're gonna know Um, if if you have to force it then you know leave it be but if it's your passion you'll know you you're gonna eat sleep dream about it talk about it that's all you're gonna want to do and if that is the place that you are in with anything that you want to pursue the only person that's stopping you from pursuing it is you good words to live by thank you for that and once again you're listening to dk mag podcast uh season eight episode five uh thank you so much tracy for your time joining us for this podcast well thank you for having me i appreciate that and stacy uh till next time when we talk about horror cinema and hopefully we don't get to talk about reboots again <laughs> thank you thank you again